Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we present ourselves before you. Sit at your feet, be ministered to by the Holy Spirit of God, by his word. For you said that we are cleansed through the words which you have spoken unto us and continue to speak. Being convinced that the word of the Lord is alive, it is powerful and it, it is sharp. So we submit ourselves this morning to you in your presence to be operated by your word. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. Inama sorebe di befende saraiga. The anointing of God's Spirit available to teach that wholesome doctrine which accords with Christ and holiness. That your people might be built up, edified, strengthened by might in the inner man by the Holy Ghost. The purpose of Christ indwelling them richly, rooted and grounded in the faith. To be able to stand, to stand, having girded about the ways were true, breastplate of righteousness. Shoes of the gospel of peace. Helmet of salvation. Sword of the spirit. Shield of faith. Imale sonda gabrahata sonda. Seeing as we see the day approach. Let us arm ourselves with a sober mind. Anchored on the hope which is Christ. Salaf Arigosa Tale. Elamagia da Gronze le Pranza Tratavanza Gradabdakusha la Kitra Hata Sadla. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Elamazo Dronskadivra Hata Sile Bredula Shanda. Lemangro Sanda Gabrahata Sanja Clavrasonda Kila Brada. Imando Zaradiko Rabanda Sofra Dagaza Shadika Elamazia Dadoza is not your word of fire, it's not your word of sword, it's not your word, hallelujah, a hammer, it's not your word, my God, Masafra Digesonda Gregiza, like the honeycomb, Vana Zemo Ramana Kisaradoze, Frenza Gradito Koshada Gabrahada. As we open the scriptures, impart wisdom, wisdom unto salvation. 
wisdom of God that we may be thoroughly, your people may be thoroughly perfect, furnished for every good work. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for watching over us, for being our governor, for being our lead guide, for being, hallelujah, glory to God, our master. Thank you, precious spirit of the living God. We acknowledge your presence and we welcome you to carry forth your ministry to your people. Yes, in all the might and the strength and the power of the Spirit of God. Father, we give you praise. Oh, we give you thanks, dear Lord. For Nazagrena Sunday. The glory of the Lord shall rise upon us. Even as the earth is filled with darkness and deep darkness, the people, you shall light upon us. And Amari Gosanai and King shall come to the brightness, the brightness of our rising. For we are, as you have said, the light of this world. Namar and Okonze, as long as we are present, as long as we are here. The light of God will continue to shine in this dark world. Thank you for granting us insight and illumination to the reality of things concerning your purposes and your plans and understanding and how to walk and navigate our path on the narrow road that leads to life. We love you, Father. We adore you, Lord. We worship you. And we thank you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray, dear Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good evening, saints of God. I trust you well and that you had a good weekend. Last week, I tried to take us through the question I intended to answer on the why Satan chose the earth to station himself. And I think we touched a bit on the fact that the earth, by reason of the fall of Satan, became a prison for the spirits which did not keep their first estate. And we read about it throughout the Bible. And the Bible is littered with this information on how these angels are bound with chains and reserved for judgment. And we read about that in Jude. We also read about that in Peter. We also read about it in Revelation. How the scriptures tell us that currently there are four angels that are bound at the river Euphrates. So there are evidences in the scriptures 
that lead us to believe and accept the notion that the earth, while being a base for Satan's regime and rebel, rebel, uh, re- rebelliousness against God, the earth is also a prison for them. They cannot exist. They cannot function anywhere else in the universe as the scripture reveals to us except the earth. The Bible says, and neither was place found or their place found anymore in heaven. So they have no place in the heavens. They have no jurisdiction in the heavens because of the iniquity and the sin and the rebellion of Satan and all his cause. So we read in the scriptures that they have been bound to the earth. So the earth becomes Satan's domain. Remember in Job how the Bible tells us that the sons of God had convened before the Lord and Satan also came among them. And the scripture says, God asked Satan, where did he come from? And Satan replied, from going to and fro the earth. To and fro on the earth. He did not mention any heaven. He says, to and fro the earth. Which means that since he's, he's lost at the wall, he has been bound, he has been limited to the boundaries of the earth. So he is, in effect, a prisoner. Now, I want us to read Matthew 24 again. And I want us to look at a statement made by the Lord Jesus Christ after that. In... the initial phases of his ministry. But let's start with Matthew chapter 4, our theme for the series. Because I I feel, and I strongly believe, that the lack of understanding of who Satan is, what his purposes and intentions are, and his future is, is really the reason behind the lack of apprehension that we see in Christian norm today. I I believe it so much so because the abundance of ignorance as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of the kingdom, what it is, what it entails and what it benefits us and the disparity in Christian apprehension of the benefits of the gospel is shocking. It's shocking. Obviously, here and there, we see people uh, enjoying, you know, like Paul says when he comes to them again, uh, speaking to the church in Rome, that he will come to them bearing the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the blessing carries a fullness. There's a fullness of blessing that is within the gospel 
And it is available for everyone. It is available to everybody because once you understand what the gospel is, you realize that there are certain things in life you just don't have to accept. And not on the basis of what you are, uh, humanly speaking, but on the basis of what the gospel and your belief in the gospel gives you. So it's important that we understand the entire narrative of the gospel of the kingdom, right? And, and we still haven't really discussed the, the finer details of the gospel, but the narrative is, is important. The narrative is important because it is, it is laid out for us in the scriptures, which means God deems that important that we understand what is going on. So I want us to read uh, Matthew 24, uh, verse 13 and 14. There's so much there that is packed in. So this morning I'm going to try to give you the lay for the reasoning from God's perspective and the reasoning from Satan's perspective on why the earth was chosen as the final uh, battleground, right? Because there was war in heaven. The war on the earth is still coming, right? And that is the final uh, war. The Bible says he will destroy them with the breath of his mouth. Hallelujah. Let's read Matthew 14. I mean, Matthew 24, verse 13. He says, but ye that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. Verse 14, in this gospel of the kingdom and this gospel of the kingdom. Now, contextually, Jesus is referring to whatever it was that he was saying and been preaching to them. So if, if, if you study from chapter 20. Uh, 3, chapter 22, right? Uh, chapter 21, uh, you realize that Jesus has been preaching to them. And, and the content of what he was communicating to them, Jesus says, is the gospel, including the signs that are given by him concerning the end times. So he says, and this gospel... So he was referring to a specific gospel. Now, I said to you what, uh, what gospel means is good news, right? It's a good message. So Jesus says that this good message, this gospel of the kingdom, so whatever gospel it was, whatever message this gospel was or is, is relation or is in relation to the kingdom. So it is the good news, the good message of the kingdom. So from the kingdom of God is heralded or issues forth a good message for humanity. And Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom 
Now, the moment he says this gospel of the kingdom, the insinuation and implication is that there are or must be other gospels as well. But other gospels are not given as the sign. It is the gospel of the kingdom that is given as the sign that will usher in the end. Now, what is he referring to about the end? He's referring to the end of this age. The end of the age where men shall be judged for their works. So, there are there are several things that will happen. I don't want to discuss that at the moment, but basically it is, it is the, the folding up of this period, of this age in God's dealings with humanity and civilization. So he says, this gospel shall be of the kingdom shall be preached. Hallelujah. Shall be preached in all the world. In all the world for a witness. In all the world. That means the gospel must cover the earth. And not just the gospel, or I mean any gospel, but the gospel of the kingdom. Now think about this. We have many churches around the world, many missionaries that have been carried out around the world. And effectively, because of the rise in technologies and in uh, social media and so forth, there's not been a time in human history where the message of Christianity, and I'm saying that intentionally, has not been carried out throughout the world. But the end has not come. Because the end is ushered in by the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. So until we understand the gospel of the kingdom and we preach it, the end will not come. So this series is really an attempt on uh, really revealing what the gospel of the kingdom is by giving us the the contextual and uh, chronological um, narrative about this gospel. Now, let's read Matthew, please. Chapter number four, I believe. Matthew chapter four. Hallelujah. Because the whole or the entire Jesus ministry was twofold. Okay, I'll explain that in a moment. 
Um, let's read Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. I mean, Matthew chapter 4, yeah, verse 16. Let's read from verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast, in the borders of Zabulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled. So the reason why he left and went to live there is for, was for the fulfillment of scripture and prophecy, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet saying, the land of Zabulon, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in a dark, which sat in darkness, saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Verse seventeen. From that time, he got sonder. Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, when you read the gospels, you'll notice that there is a difference between uh, Jesus' statements about the kingdom in Matthew and in the other three Gospels. Matthew is the only one that uses exclusively the kingdom of heaven. Every time Jesus speaks about the kingdom in Matthew, it is in relation to the kingdom of heaven. Only once is the kingdom of God mentioned in Matthew. But the the, the, the the other Gospels replace the kingdom of heaven with the kingdom of God. I mean, if, if we read, um, if we look at, for instance, if we look at uh, Mark, let's look at Mark, Mark chapter 1, please. Mark chapter 1, verse 15, verse 14. It's the same, it's the same thing, but there is a, a difference in wording. Mark chapter 1 verse 14 says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. You see that? Now, every time this statement is made in reference to the gospel of the kingdom, it is made in the kingdom of God. You read Mark, you read, you read Luke, you read, uh, what do you call it? You read John, is the kingdom of God. Only in Luke is it said the kingdom of heaven. Now, this has led many to believe that there is 
a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Now, we know based on the scriptures that heaven is where the throne of God is domiciled, right? Heaven is not God's home. Heaven is God's throne. It is the domain from which he governs. It is the domain from which he rules. Hallelujah. So it is a physical location. Right? It is a physical location. So you can go to heaven right now because it is a real place. It is a physical, even though it's spiritual, I'm, I'm saying that it, just to give you the idea of geography, it is a physical location that is domiciled in the sides of the north, above the firmament of the sky. But it is not God's home. It is not God's house. Right? Now, the kingdom of God refers to the entirety or the entire span of God's or the dominion of God's reach or the reach, sorry, of God's dominion. Which means the kingdom of God in reality is the sovereignty. It is the rule, Hans Karadaina. It is, it is the reign of God in the universe. So it is God's totality in, in, in the demonstration of his governance and power over the universe. Now, for us to really understand what Jesus was trying to communicate to us, right? Whether he meant or he, whether he spoke about the kingdom of heaven or whether he spoke about the kingdom of God is to understand really what is kingdom? What does the word kingdom mean? Right? Now, you'll find this very interesting because it, 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 would, it will reshape your understanding about what Jesus means when he says this gospel of the kingdom. Now, at that point, he did not say this gospel of the kingdom of God. He said this gospel of the kingdom. This gospel of the kingdom. So it is a specific kingdom to which he's referring to that God has, is, is seated as king. Right? God is seated as king. But what does kingdom mean? Hallelujah. Now the word kingdom is the word basila. Right? Uh, or basilea. Basileia, Basileia. What Basileia means is it means a reign. It means it means a, a, a realm that is ruled. That's what Basileia means. Right? But if, if, if you want to know where Basileia comes from, it comes from Basileas. Right? Basileas is the root is the root word for Basileia. Now, what Basileia uh, 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 Basileus means it means the sovereignty of a king that's what it means it means the sovereignty of a king or a king over a people that's Basileus now Basileus has a root word the root word of Basileus 
is the Greek word called basis. So we've got uh, basileia, which means kingdom. We've got basileias, which means a king. And both those words emanate from a root word called basis. It's, it's, it's where we get our English word basis. So when we talk about the basis of a matter, we are talking about the place upon which the foot treads. So what basis means is the foot or the basis or the foundation. Remember what God said. Now, can, can we read it? Hallelujah. Let's read it. Let's read, I think it's Isaiah. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Isaiah chapter 66. So, basis means the foot. Right? It, it is the place upon which the foot treads. So, it is a, a base. Are you following me? So, kingdom re refers to a base. I, I, I understand? So, when he's saying this gospel of the kingdom, he's talking about the base of God's rule. The base of God's sovereignty. The base of God's dominion. So if 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 you if you know anything about military lingo, they talk about military bases around the world, right? You find that the United States have a base here, a base there, a base there, a base there, right? And that base is resourced. Many times there would be a general set over a certain base, and 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 and, and so forth. But the ideology is that. The, the basis of God. The basis or the base of God for, for the, the reign of God was not in heaven. Remember, Jesus said, I have come for this cause. What cause was it? It was the preaching of the gospel. So Jesus left heaven to preach the gospel. Which means the gospel of the kingdom is not a heavenly message. It is an earth message. The gospel of the kingdom. Because this gospel of the kingdom when he said this gospel of the kingdom, he was not referring to a kingdom that is up there. Because he says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom is at hand. That means the kingdom has arrived. Ah. Now follow me. So now the basis or the, the base, the foot of God's reign. Let's find out. Isaiah 66. Verse 1. I want you to read it with your own lips. Isaiah 66, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne 
and the earth is my footstool. Ha! Let's read it again. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. The earth is my footstool. It's the same word, basis. Basis means a step, a base upon which the foot treads. God says, heaven is his throne, but the earth is his base. The earth is his base. The earth is the foot. Is the step upon which his foot steps on. So the earth is how or is the place from where God carries out his dominion. Hallelujah. So the earth is my footstool. Who's saying this? Peter is saying this? Who's saying this? The Lord. Thus said the Lord. The earth the heaven is my throne. Hallelujah. That's where he sits. That's where he sits. Right? But the earth is where his feet. His feet. Remember, throne is this. <laughs> throne is a sitting for the body. The floor is a sitting for the food. And he says that the earth is his basis from where he carries his what? His basalia, in which he is basalias. So he, he has a base from which he exercises his sovereignty, which he calls his kingdom. So what is the kingdom or where is the kingdom of God? The kingdom or the location of the kingdom is the earth. The, the basis, the base of God's reign is the earth. From the mind of God, the earth has been thought out, planned out, purposed by God to be the headquarters of his dominion. So the universe, by God's wisdom and counsel, was to be, to be what? To be ruled from the earth, not heaven. So in God's mind, there was going to come a time where the earth or where the throne of God would leave the, the physical location, which is called heaven, and can be based you understand that? Be based in the earth. So it's important that you understand why the gospel, the gospel is the bringing in, hallelujah, is, is the bringing in of, of the establishment of God's base. Remember, Satan continues to reign. He will continue to rule where God has no base. When, 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 when ISIS, when, 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 when America attacked Iraq. Now, these, these two countries live on, on polar opposites of the world. 
America is America. But in order for them to carry out an effective insurgence upon Iraq, they needed to set up bases. Do you understand that? They needed to set up bases around the region. And what they would then do is that once they've secured those bases, they would send in their army, send in their soldiers to, to domicile there in order to carry out effective insurgents. Because they cannot fight the war from America. Ah, are you following me? They cannot fight the war from America. If God is going to help you humanity because of the fall of Satan, he cannot do so from heaven. He needs to set up a base. Otherwise, the people that he intends to help are hopeless. Because he must have a legal ground upon which to stand and exercise his power for the salvation of people. So before we see any other thing, we see the establishment of Basis. And the first region was Jesus. Now read Isaiah 60. I mean, read Isaiah 61. Read Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because, now, he says, the reason why the Spirit is upon him. He's giving us the reason. The, the reason why the Spirit of God is upon me is because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the gospel. <laughs> so the Spirit would not come upon him unless he was what? Authorized to preach the gospel. Which means the only time the spirit of God imbued him was for what? Was for the purpose of the preaching of the gospel. Now, why is the gospel so important to the Lord? Or why is the gospel so important that one needs to be anointed to preach it in order for the spirit of God to come upon them? Because effectively you say, if I was not anointed to preach the gospel, the spirit would not come upon me. But the spirit of the Lord God is on me. The spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me. So the spirit of that Lord, which is upon him, I mean, the Lord, the Lord which has anointed him, has given him the same spirit. So he has the spirit of the Lord who called him. The spirit of the Lord who anointed him. Why? Because he was a heralder of the gospel. So Jesus then tells us that this gospel of the kingdom, the, the heralding of the arrival of the kingdom must take place in all the world. So the entire world must know that there is a kingdom A kingdom which belongs to God. And that kingdom came 
not with bad tidings, but with glad tidings. That kingdom came with good news for humanity. Now you'll understand something. Revelation chapter 12, let's go. You'll understand why I keep referring back to Revelation chapter 12. Because when people think about the gospel, they think about the gospel in, in human terms, right? That we are sinners in need of a savior. That is not all there is to, a go- to the gospel. The gospel is, is bigger than that. The gospel is bigger than, 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 than uh, salvation from sins. Right? Salvation and the gospel, though, though they serve this, though they serve the same purpose, they have different functionaries. Right? Salvation is brought through the vehicle of the gospel. Without the gospel, there cannot be salvation. Right? Salvation in the sense that people cannot receive salvation. Right? Salvation is in the death of Jesus Christ. But the gospel is the carrier, is the transporter of God's throne in the earth, of God's purposes in the earth, of God's power in the earth. Because it is what? It is the basis, the step upon which his foot treads. So without the gospel, God has no footing. Without the gospel, God cannot successfully walk upon the earth. Without the gospel, God cannot be of aid to humanity. Without the gospel, God cannot be of aid to humanity. That's why men were were not as helped before Jesus by God. And that's why God's help was only reserved to his own people, not to the rest of the world. So if you are not of Israel, you could not receive the the blessedness or indulge in the blessedness of God's blessings. You could not. You could not be a beneficiary because you are not his people. Until Jesus came. Why? Because God could have no stable footing until he what? He brought forth the the gospel, the message of the kingdom. So when Jesus began preaching, when he told them, I have come for this cause, to preach the gospel, when he didn't not stay in one city and he preached from city to city, said, I must, I must preach the gospel unto other cities as well. For this purpose, I was sent. So I said to you when he started that the ministry of Jesus is twofold, right? One is the sacrificial ministry, the substitution ministry, where he has to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. But the, the, the other ministry is that he was a carrier, a custodian, an ambassador, a, a, a regent for the government of God. He was sent to announce the arrival of the kingdom. Hallelujah. He 
you are sent forth to announce the arrival of the kingdom. And this is the kingdom. The Bible says, if we read Daniel uh, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 2, the Bible says, in the, in, in, in the days of the ten kings, God will set up a kingdom that shall not be moved and that shall destroy all other kingdoms. All other kingdoms. And Jesus comes and when he comes, the Bible says he, he preached saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe ye the gospel. He was saying the only hope for humanity is the gospel. There is no other hope. So he says, repent. Change your mind. Notice Jesus. Hmm. I want to show you something. I want to show you, oh my God. I want to show you something. I, 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 I want to show you something. Read Matthew chapter 4. Verse 17. I, I want to show you something. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He did not say repent from your sins. You can mathrahana krensatiya Hello, God, help me. You cannot, it is impossible to repent from sins. Because you can't just change your mind and stop sinning. When your nature is itself sin. So Jesus could not have been referring to repentance from sins. Because you don't receive or you don't repent from sins. You, my God, help me. My, ah. Uh, to repent means to change your mind. Is mataneo. It means to change one's mind. You cannot change your mind if you are a sinner about sin. You need to be delivered. You need to have a new spirit. You need to be recreated. So when Jesus said repent, he did not say repent from your sins. Because you can't, you need a savior for your sins. You need a savior. God didn't tell Israel to repent for sins. There was a sacrifice for sin. The Bible says without remission, my God, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission for sins. So when you hear ministers say, say to the world, repent of your sins, what are they saying? It is the shedding of blood that remits sin. Not repentance from sin. So what was Jesus telling them to repent from? To change their mind about? Change your mind about what you thought was real. Change your mind about this world. Change your mind about what you see. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Change your mind. Hallelujah. Change your mind. You see, this is the problem with Christians that they've received salvation for sins, but they have not changed their minds. Their minds are still the same way as they were before they were saved. 
They've not changed their mind. They've not been renewed by the transformation that takes place from being in the kingdom. So he said, repent. He didn't say from sins. We'll discuss this. We'll discuss this, but I just wanted to show you the fact that Jesus did not tell the world to repent from sins. He told them to repent, to change their minds. Because the kingdom, the kingdom that comes from heaven is at hand. God, he was telling them, God has come to set his base in the earth. God has come to set his basis in the earth. His footing, the, the earth is his footstool. Let's read, let's read Psalm 110. Let's read Psalm 110. Until you understand this, my brother, my sister, you will be weak. With all the belief. This gospel of the kingdom. Now listen to this. Verse 1. Psalm 110. The Lord said. Hallelujah. The Lord said to unto my Lord. Now he's seeing this vision. David is seeing this vision. He's seeing the Lord speaking to the Lord. <laughs> now. Second Corinthians chapter four, chapter three. The Bible says, "No, don't go there." The Bible says, "The Lord is that Spirit. The Lord is that Spirit. The Lord is that Spirit." So the Lord is the Holy Ghost. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So we know who is Lord. Who is Lord. So there are two Lords we, we are reading about. It says, the Lord said unto my Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord. So David knew the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Who was he talking about? The Lord is the strength of my life. Who was he? He's his Lord. His Lord. So he saw the Lord saying or talking unto his Lord. Hallelujah. Did you understand that? Um, you don't understand it. Now, let me give it to you in, 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 in the Hebrew language. Right? In the Hebrew language, it reads Yahweh said unto Adonai. <laughs> That's what it reads because those expressions in English sound the same, but in the Hebrew, they are not the same. In the Hebrew is Yahweh said unto Adonai. So we know who Yahweh is, right? The Lord, thy God, O Israel, is one. So we know the spirit of God is the father. 
is the spirit of the father. Remember what he says. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the father. Jesus himself is the child of the Holy Spirit. So he's seen this and he's seen the spirit of Yahweh, the spirit of the Lord God says unto Adonai, owner, possessor. Let's see what Adonai said unto, I mean, Yahweh said unto Adonai. Yahweh said unto Adonai, sit thou at my right hand. Sit. Oh, my last Sandra Digo Salaja Glistra. Oh, sit thou. Read Hebrews. Read Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 3. Let's read from verse 1. Verse 1 says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us. Spoken unto us by his son. He has spoken unto us by his son. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things. So his son is the Lord, is Adonai. Because Adonai means what? Possessor. It means owner. That's what Adonai means. So he's telling us here, God hath appointed his son to be heir of all things. By whom also he made the world. Which means Jesus made the world. His son, he made the world. I want to go into some revelations about Jesus that Jesus and not the Father and, and I'm speaking Jesus because that's who you know him by but it is Jesus that has or hath been authorized by the Father to be creator so the creator of the universe is Jesus the Bible says, by him all things were created by him. But other translations have tried to, to cast doubt and they say through him. No, by him. When you say, Mike was paid by Enoch, what are you saying? Mike was paid by Enoch. Who paid Mike? Enoch. The world, all things were created by him. What are you saying? All things were created by him. By him. So who created all things? Him. Who? The son. So who is the creator? Jesus. The son. The word is the creator of all things. So by him all things, or by him also he made the world who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person will get there, upholding all things by the word of his power. Now, this is what I want to read you. 
when he had by himself purged our sins. See why you can't repent from sins? You need to be purged. When he had by himself. Now, now what I'm trying to answer is when did Yahweh say to Adonai sit at my right hand? So it was after he purged our sins, which means it was after he died. It was after he was made atonement for the sins of the world. So after when he by himself purged our sins, sat down. <laughs> he sat down. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now let's go. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Psalm 110. The Lord said unto my Lord, Yahweh said unto Adonai, Sit thou. Look, 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 look at the look at the scene. Look at the scene. He purges our sins. He dies. It is finished. We spoke about that on uh, on Wednesday, right? You can listen to that tape. Uh, Revelation chapter one, verse four to five. He 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 purged our sins, right? Purge. He became a sacrifice. He died. And then three days later, he's raised from the dead. 40 days after that, 40 days. So Jesus remained on the earth 43 days after he resurrected. Uh, 40 day, I mean, he remained 40 days after he resurrected. Right? So for 40 days, he was teaching them, ministering to them, commanding them. And then he ascends. Right? As he ascends, he's being inaugurated. As he ascends and he gets before the Father, he is inaugurated as the Lord of the universe. He is inaugurated by God as the King of the Basis. He is now inaugurated as the sovereign ruler of the kingdom. So Jesus, he rises. Now, this is, this is history. It, it, it's not fables. It's history. It's history in the heavens as depicted to us in the scriptures. So he ascends and the father, Yahweh, says unto him, sit. Now, to sit, would imply that all that was required to be done is now accomplished. Sit. Jesus is sitting because Jesus had finished the work which the Father has sent him. Now, there are two fold, right? The first was the preaching of the gospel. That's the first work. The second was the work of the atonement of the sins of the world. So he sits when he says it is finished. Which means that salvation was now possible. 
the kingdom, the basis was now set. So what takes the place of the absent Christ, of the absent Jesus is the gospel. So he dies and he says, seated man, what confidence does now God have to make the one person, the only person trusted with the mission of establishing the kingdom to see? This is 2,000 years ago. Jesus is sitting. Jesus is sitting. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit at my right hand. Now, right hand, oh God Almighty, sit at my right hand until I make, huh? until, he, he, read, 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 open your Bibles, read, until I make, he, he, after Adonai finished his walk, Yahweh steps in and he says, I will make your enemies. So Yahweh acknowledges that Adonai has made enemies. So remember I told you that when the war in heaven ensued, Yahweh did nothing. Adonai did nothing. Right? Who moved? It was an angel. It was an angel. It was an angel that was moving. Now, Adonai comes. Adonai, is, it's no longer an angel dealing with the enemies. It's Adonai. Adonai now does something that the angels did not do. The angels did not strip Satan, the dragon of his power. All they did was they cast him down. Adonai comes and he strips him of all power. Then, after Adonai finishes the job, Yahweh says, now sit. Now, now let me show you. Let me show you. He said, now sit at my right hand until I make your enemies. Until I make your enemies. Your enemies. Notice, your footstool, your enemy, basis, until I make your enemies the step upon which you are, you walk. Ah. He was revealing something. The earth is my footstool. So where are his enemies? The enemies of Adonai are not up there. The enemies of Adonai are right here. So Adonai is sitting and Yahweh said, I will move into action. Read Psalm chapter 2. I'll show you something. Chapter 2, verse 1. Why? Why? Let me tell you something. Fall in love with the Bible. Fall in love with the Word of God. The liberation into your destiny, the deliverance into your destiny 
will come from the scriptures. Paul says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. He says, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you with something far greater than I am. I'm leaving you with the word of God, my God, the word of God. You know, you know, you love things. You, you lust after things. You have affection for other things, but you have not yet had the affection or for the word that is necessary for you to escape the pollution of this world. Moses said, it is thy life. Peter said, where shall we go? For from you are the words of life. Paul said, David said, I love thy word more than I love gold and silver. I love it. I love it more than I love other things. I love thy word. If, if reading, meditating upon the scriptures is still a duty, you have not come to the point of love. You've not come to the point where, where, he, where Jacob's love for Rachel moved him to work 14 years like it was seven days. Where working for Laban was not a duty for the one he loved. Hallelujah. Just write them upon your foreheads. Write them on your doorposts. Write them on your signboards when you get in. Teach them to your children. Speak them in the morning on the breakfast table. Speak them in the evening on the dinner table. Speak them when you go to bed. Speak them when you rise. Speak them when you go out. Speak them when you come in. These are the words of the Lord. Ah, verse two, chapter one, uh, chapter two. Sorry, verse two, verse one. Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? Now, the world has an imagination. The world, the heathens, the Gentile world, it has it has an imagination. The Ayatah has been plotting against God. They've been plotting with all these evolutionary theories, all these Big Bang theories, all these scientific billions and billions of years theories, all these planetary theories, all these the earth revolving around the sun theories, all these theories, they've been imagining a way to get God out of this world. And many of God's people have buy into that program. They've been plotting. The globe earth, plotting. They've been plot. These are plots. These are imaginations. And the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not callow, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds and imaginations. Imaginations. And they've sold us their imaginations via Hollywood. Sold us their imaginations. My God, in the movies, sold us their imaginations. And we bought them. But we don't know that the purpose, the agenda behind their imaginations is the removal of God.
says, why do the heathens rage? And the people imagine they plot a vain thing. Who can overthrow God? Has there been anybody who has tried to overthrow God that has succeeded? Has there, any be, has there been anybody who tried to overthrow God and had the victory? It's time. My brothers, my sisters, listen to me. That the time has come. You know, like Mordecai said unto Esther, he said, he said, the time has come. The time. You were born for such a time as this. And if you will not stand up for the Lord thy God and to the defense of the gospel at this time, God will raise up another in your place. For who knows? That you have been called for such a time as this. To stand for the Lord thy God. He says, why? Why do the heathens rage? It's time to take your side. On whose side are you, beloved brothers? Israel, when Moses was up receiving the commandments and the law for Israel, they went unto Aaron and said, this Moses is taking time and we do not know when he is coming back. We do not know whether he'll come back or not. Build us a mountain, my God. Build us a calf. Build us an image that we may worship. There's God up there on Mount Sinai and they still want something that is not real, that does not speak, that they can, that cannot deliver them. And they, and, they, and they coerced Aaron and he built them a golden calf and they worshipped. And Moses came down after God told him what Israel was doing. And he said, this day choose who's on the side of the Lord. And out of all those 12 tribes, only one, Levi was on the side of the Lord. Only one tribe. Only one tribe was on the side of the Lord. Only one side. Only one tribe was on the side of the Lord. Whose side are you choosing? You need to choose. My brothers, my sister, you need to choose. And that choice must be reflected in your conduct, in your lifestyle, in your thinking, in your mannerisms, in your convictions. That choice must be revealed. You can't just choose the side of the Lord and stand on the side while you see the name of the Lord being derived, be blasphemed by your peers, by your colleagues, by those around you. You must take a stand. You must take your side. For he said, if you do not confess me before man. If you deny me before man, I will deny you before God. Whose side are you on? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and him alone. Him alone. side are you on? Are you on the side of the Lord? The side of the enemies of the Lord. He said, why do the heathen rage and why do the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth, the kings of the earth, the kings of the earth, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. The whole world has bended against Jesus. They have bended against Adonai. They have bended together against the Lord. 
Oh, you're seeing it now reflected in the war between Israel and the Palestine. The whole world has taken the side of Palestine. They've sided against the enemies of the Lord. Don't you know that Palestine is an enemy of the Lord? Don't you know it? Don't you know it? It says, against the Lord. You see that? Against the Lord. Against Yahweh and against his anointed. They have bended together against Yahweh and against his anointed. Saying, let us break their bands asunder. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Look at this. He that sitteth in the heavens. <laughs> God is not bothered. God is not scared. God is not frightened. He that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh and the Lord shall have them in mock. He will mock them and vex them in his sore displeasure. Verse 6, Yet I have set my king. I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare a decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen. I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. The same heathens that are imagining a vain thing, the same heathens that have been plotting against thee. That I will, they are your inheritance. And the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now therefore, O kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear <laughs> serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling kiss the son kiss the son lest he be angry and he perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little blessed hallelujah are all they that put their trust in him my trust is in the king my trust is in the king my trust is in the king set upon the holy hill of Zion. Read Psalm 110 again. I want to show you something. This one you don't mess with. It doth not yet appear. <laughs> uh, and that's what Satan has been trying. He has been trying for ages to hide the gospel because the hiding of the gospel is what will continue to let him have free reign. Because he knows his time is short. But the gospel is a weapon. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God. It is the power of God. The preaching of the gospel is the power of God. What other power are you looking for? 
Verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule. Rule. You see, this is the restorative ministry of Jesus. God said to man, rule and subdue the earth. Now he's saying it unto Adonai, rule. Thou in the midst of thine enemies. Where are the enemies of the Lord? They are on earth. They are not in heaven. They are on earth. The kings of the earth are his enemies. Because the kings of the earth have pledged allegiance to the dragon. The heathen are the enemies of the Lord. But he said, no one is ruled them. Rule them. Sit. Rule. Sit. Rule. Sit. Rule. Rule thou in their midst, the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness. From the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 5, the Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. I don't know what Jesus you have been taught of. Little meek Jesus, little sweet Jesus. Oh, my brothers and my sisters, there's more to Jesus than his sweetness. There's more to Jesus than his meekness. Look at what he's saying. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. This is war. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Christianity is not just some weak religion. It's not just some religion of the byway. However, it is filled with men who, have, who, who know nothing, who are ignorant of the gospel who are ignorant of his power and they think it's just some weak message. No, my brother, no, my sister. The gospel isn't just some weak thing. The gospel is the only hope for humanity. There is no other hope for humanity but the gospel of the kingdom, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no other hope.
Psalm 149. Psalm 149, quickly. Verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of our God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. For the saints, the saints, the saints. He said, let praises be in their mouth, but let a sword be in their hand. He says, let a sword, two-edged sword be in their hand to execute judgment. The saints to execute. This is, this, is, this is what we were called into. He said, to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings. The saints are doing this job to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgments written. This honor have all these saints. This honor have all his saints to bind kings with chains and fetters of iron. With a, with a, with a double edge. So we know what a double he says, he says, the word of the Lord is like a double edged sword. We know what he's talking about when he said a double edged sword. We know symbolically a double edged sword is a prophetic word to bring judgments to nations. My God, to stand on the mountains of Zion and declare judgment upon this nation, judgment upon this nation, vengeance of the Lord, and bind them and bind them. Now, these are both physical kings and spiritual kings. This is the honor of the saints. The honor of, is this all his saints? To bind the kings of the earth, both the spiritual and the physical. Oh, what authority. What authority. And this authority is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can end reigns. We can end the reigns of kings. The Bible tells us, if you read Acts chapter 12, that it was the prayers of the saints that set in motion the demise of Herod. That Herod came into destruction because of the prayers of the saints. Which not only led to the deliverance of Peter, but to the demise of Herod. Vengeance was executed. Judgment was executed. And Hero died in the presence of his people. He says, this honor have all his saints. He's not, he didn't say some special. All his saints. All his saints. Let's read Revelation chapter 12 quickly. It is the gospel of the kingdom. It's about kingdom. It's about dominion. It's about reigns. It is about sovereignty. It is about subjugation. 
ministerial dominion earth dominion can only be a reflection of family dominion god said god said to eve thy desire shall be for thy husband and she shall rule over thee you know what modern translations have, have switched that to be it is they've said to say he 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 shall rule together it was adam's failure to rule his house that led to the entrance of sin in the world Satan succeeded because the man did not rule his house well. Because the structures, the basis of nations is the family. The basis, the base of nations is the family. You destroy the structures, the components, the pillars of the family. You annihilate a society. You destroy a nation. Oh, oh, I wish I had time to get into that. Because to understand really the flow, oh, let's, let's read. Genesis 12 and then we'll go back we'll go into Revelation. Nations are made out of the family. Listen. Verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, 
get thee out of thy country from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation. I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed in thee. In thee. And we know what he was talking about when he was saying in thee. In, in thee. We know what he was talking about. He was talking about Christ. Because it's not seeds, but seed. So it's one seed. Abraham had many children, but one seed, who is Jesus Christ. And it is through him that all the promises, the blessings that are to come upon the earth will take place. So God understands the dysfunctionality of the household. He understands because of sin, the household is dysfunctional. Because of, of the turning away from the laws of God from the way of God, by nature, by sin, the household is dysfunctional. So what does he do? He creates a new family from which he will reign over the earth. And that family is called the church of the living God, the body of Christ. That is the family of his dominion. That is the family of his dominion. It is from that family that all nations of the earth must be blessed. Now you will read Revelation chapter 12 with very much understanding. I want, I want to show you this. Revelation chapter 12. Now you understand why Satan was sent down to the earth. Why he cast his stars to the earth. Why he was cast down to the earth. You understand why? Why the earth was chosen by Satan. Why the earth was chosen by God. From God's perspective. Why the earth was chosen from Satan's perspective. From Satan's perspective. It was to disrupt the plan of God. It was to, because he thought that by coming first and disrupting the intention of the establishment of the kingdom, he would therefore hinder and ultimately stop God's plan of establishing his kingdom in the earth. So he tried to disrupt the base, the basis of God. So he cast his stars to the earth. He while he was still in heaven, he cast them to the earth. Means in case we lose, God will also lose. But he had another thing coming because the counsels of God, the wisdom of God, is wiser and greater than Satan. Satan thought because of the perfection of his wisdom that made him equal with God. I will be like the Most High. I will be like the Most High. I will be as the Most High. Well, what became of him? Have no doubt, the devil is a real being. 
You cannot believe in Jesus without believing in the devil. He's a real being. Satan is a real being. And he's hidden himself for very long. From man, he's hidden himself. But when you read the scriptures, when you understand his nature, his character, his mannerisms, his thinking, his patterns, his wiles, his trickery, his craftiness, you realize that the only thing that can successfully withstand him is the word of God. It is written and the devil left him. It is written and the devil left him. The devil left him. Now I want us to read again. Chapter 9. Chapter 8. I mean chapter 12 verse 8. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought against his angels. And prevailed not. Neither was there a place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. We dealt with the deception part. He was cast out into the earth. He was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. So there are today more devils, demons, or more of Satan's than there are human beings alive. Make no doubt about it. The world is full of spirits. You need to understand something. Earth, earth is not the abode of spirits. Heaven is the abode of spirits. But these beings, because of their rebellion, were cast out into the earth because there was no place found for them in heaven. Now, this is what I want to say to dispel any notions about the existence of other planets. If there were other planets, don't you think God would cast them out there? The Bible doesn't mention any other planet except heaven and earth. When place was not found for them in heaven, they did not go to Jupiter. They were not cast out to Saturn. They were cast out to the earth because there was no other place to cast them out. Do you understand that? There was no other place to cast them down out into Right? The only other, uh, other place there is outside of heaven and earth is called outer darkness. That's the, only, that's the only other place. It's outer darkness. The void of hopelessness. The void of death. But as far as God is concerned in terms of domicile place, and I need to explain this to you so that you can understand this. There is no other place in, 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 in the universe there are other dimensions, but in terms of geolocations, except heaven and earth, when there was found no place for them in heaven, they were cast down to the earth. The earth is the only physical body in the universe. Yes, it is. And, and everything contained within it, and the sun, the moon, is contained within it. We don't know the distance from the earth to the firmament. We don't know it. But there is a distance. And every single thing is encased within it. The, the sun is inside. And the sun, 
moves from one point to another. The moon moves from one point to another. The earth is stationary. The Bible says he has fixed the foundation, the pillars of the earth upon the sea. He has founded upon the seas. So whenever you think about the earth, you should never think, unless you are deceived, you should never think about the earth as a globe circulating somewhere, making revolutions 24. You should never. God said, then even in the, in the morning was the first day, there was no revolution. There was no spinning. That is the part of the deception of the whole world. That they should believe a lie. There it is. That they should believe a lie. A lie because if you can believe a lie about the shape of the earth, you'll believe a lie about who God is. Yep. You'll believe a lie about who God is. What he said. Because to believe in the globe earth is to doubt God's word. Is to say that God's word is not perfect. God's word is full of errors. God's word is infallible. God does not lie. If there's ever been a time to take sides, it's now. It's now. More than ever, it's now. And it is the little things that have really disrupted our thinking processes and reasoning to the point that when now Satan has taken hold of our, our minds, our thinking, to serve his intentions and bidding. So he was cast down to the earth. He was cast out and cast down to the earth. And his angels were cast up with him. Now, now the point I wanted to say is this. The earth is a place for humans. It's not a place for spirits. Heaven and the heavens are, are, are the abode of spirits. Now, these spirits have been cast out into the earth. So, we, we live or cohabitate with the spirits. These spirits that fell. And they are more than they are human beings. Imagine if one person can embody 5,000 demons, they can live within his body. How many demons are there? And, and we live with them. So they, they cannot find expression in the earth until they take over bodies. Until man, are you following me? Please follow me. They cannot have expression in any nation on earth except they find expression through human bodies, human vessels that have freely given themselves over to these spirits. Now, if Satan came to us or came to human beings as himself and gave them the full story of what he did. Do you think humans would believe him? So he knew what he had to do. He had to set up religions, false religions, right? And he had to set up practices in, in civilization that would open doors for him to exercise his dominion. So he set up religions, he set up uh, all these practices, he set up systems, he set up cities that would allow him to continue to carry out his expression of, of his thoughts, of his plans, of his will in the earth. And all that's all he's been doing. 
So he gains a foothold over societies through deception. The more deceived a society is, the greater Satan's foothold over that society. Now, how does he take over kings? He takes over kings and kingdoms in the same way that he tried to do with Jesus. He offers them power. He offers them wealth. He offers them uh, riches. He offers them all these things. All they need to do is pledge allegiance. And once those kings pledge allegiance to Satan, the, the kingdom or nation over which they exercise their dominion no longer becomes theirs. They become theirs physically, but spiritually Satan is king. So that's how he has taken over kings and kingdoms. He started with Cain. He's, Cain is the first prototype. He started with Cain, Nimrod, and all the likes. And that's, that has been given, that has been given by the permission of God. And throughout civilization, what has happened was that Satan has continued. Martha Anna Gresta. I, I, I need to get, we'll, I think we'll, we'll, we'll go in depth into this uh, when we, we start dealing with, when we start dealing with uh, uh, the earth aspect of the kingdom. But I, I, I want to explain this to you. He was given the permission because he took Adam's power. So he took man's power to carry out his, what? His agenda on earth. So he had legal rights to operate on the basis of what he did. So God gave him now the power to produce physical seed. So Satan has physical seed. And we, we see the inception of that in Genesis chapter 6. And we'll see the increase of that in the days leading up to the Son of God. And that's why I told you the aliens are coming. And they're not going to come in physical, spiritual form. They're going to come in physical form. And women are going to give themselves over to them. They have already started. They have already appeared now. They have been appearing in human-like forms. But they are coming. Because this is a cosmic war and it will be ended here on earth. So the devil and his angels were cast down to the earth. So you must understand why the world is evil, why the world is so wicked, why the world is so violent, why the world is so profane, why the world is so corrupted. It is because we are living with entities from another world. These beings have been here way before me and you. So they have enough time to set up religions, all this ancestral worship, idolatry, paganism. They had enough time to set up all these systems so that they can continue to have a foothold in our lives. Sins and all these profanities. You think they come from God? Because he needs to pollute the world, corrupt the world as much as possible. What then is the hope of humanity? It is the gospel. To escape the corruption and the pollution of the world. The gospel. You must repent and believe in the gospel. You must turn away from the world. You must turn away from the world. Until you turn away from the world. My brothers, my sisters. The gospel cannot help you. The gospel will be of no benefit to you. Because we know that this whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. 
that this age is a present evil age. And as long as you love the world, you are an enemy of God. Because friendship with the world is enmity unto God. And I don't understand why Christians can think it's alright to befriend the world. Deception is rampage because the adversary, the dragon, the serpent is roaming the earth. That alone should tell you the only safety should or can only be in the person or the being that successfully dealt with the devil. And that's Jesus. Only Jesus dealt with the devil. That means the only place of safety is with Jesus. There's no other place of safety apart from Jesus. Because Jesus, the, the, the Christianity must leave this thing of, 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 of pettiness. Messages that have no basis in the kingdom. Because until we walk away from that, weakness will continue to abound. Christians are weak. They're weak. They can't endure pain, can't endure suffering, can't endure persecution, can't en they can't endure all these things because they're weak. And what they, they are weakened by their ignorance. The gospel is veiled. Paul says death works in us every day that life might work in you. We don't hear none of that rhetoric from, from today's ministers. We don't hear none of that rhetoric. The only rhetoric we hear is how God wants them to buy a jet. How God wants them to buy a house. How God wants them to buy a big car. What the hell? What the hell? What the hell is going on? A popularist gospel. A gospel of materialism. That all God is therefore God is bigger than our notions about him. He's bigger than that. But Jesus told us many false prophets will rise. False teachers will rise. What is a false prophet? What is a false teacher? It is a preacher, a teacher that does not preach the gospel of the kingdom in its entirety. They are cursed. If any man preaches to you another gospel than that which we have preached unto you, let that man be accursed. Let him be accursed. Bewitched Christianity. And there must be a global repentance from, um, um, from, from, from Christian. There must be. There must be. If we are going to witness the day of his power, there must be. And the word of God and the word of God alone must be the standard. Not some theological seminary. Not some theological college. The word of God. The word of God. We're not stupid enough to read, not to read, not to be able to read our Bibles our own. We're not stupid. We're not stupid. We can read. And now they're coming with all this nonsense. Yeah, no, uh, this Greek, don't care about any Greek scholar or Hebrew scholar. The word of God is clear. God ensured that he preserved his word for a generation to be able to read it and know it for themselves. 
doctrines. Petty doctrines. Doctrines of modernism. Of hierarchical oppression. You have the guts to stand on the pulpit in the name of Jesus and preach such doctrines that do not accord with Christ. Look at what Jesus Christ preached. He preached the kingdom from the beginning of his ministry to the end. You don't hear strange doctrines. Baseless faith. Material faith. So that you can feel good. God is not in the business of making us feel good. And we need to refer back to the scriptures and understand really what's going on. I told you the one thing Satan has successfully achieved is to remove the reasoning capacity within Christian, within Christians. The reasoning capacity to weaken it. Can't reason. We can't reason. We can't think. We cannot process truth. Says in the angel were cast out with him, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength. Now. Now is come salvation and strength. And the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ. Because the accuser of our brethren is cast down. See why the kingdom came? I will make thy enemies thy footstool. The earth is my footstool. It is because the enemy, the accuser, has been cast down. I said to you, if the kingdom, if the gospel, if the power, okay, if the power of the spirit, the power of the gospel, who is it displayed against? If it's not the devil. There can be only one, one entity which the power is directed against. Only one. Only one. He says, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Now is come. Now is come. The gospel is God's answer. Is God's answer against Satan. Why? Because it is only after Satan fell that man fell. Man did not fall before Satan. And it was, it was Satan that incited man to fall. The rebel made man a rebel. 
So that same man that was made a rebel by the rebel required salvation. He required strength, the kingdom, and the power of his Christ. It has come because the accuser has been cast down. This is the bedrock, the bedrock behind understanding the importance of the gospel of the kingdom. It is understanding that Satan fell, man fell. That's why salvation, strength, the kingdom and power has come. Yes, it is all because there was a cosmic fallout at one point in history of the universe. And that these entities thought to disrupt and stop God's plan from prospering. And God, in his wisdom, brought forth salvation, brought forth strength, brought forth the kingdom of God and brought forth the power of his Christ as a combatant, as a combatant against this accuser. If you stand against the devil with any other combatant, with any other weaponry, with any other resource other than the kingdom, other than salvation, other than the strength of God, other than the power of Christ, you will not survive. You cannot survive. Because only those two, only those four forces can successfully withstand the devil. And guess what? They are all packaged in the gospel. All of them. Strength is in the gospel. The kingdom is in the gospel. The power is in the gospel. Salvation is in the gospel. So when Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness, then the end shall come. You know why it's so integral. And it's so important to the end times because it began with the kingdom. It will end with the kingdom. The gospel, this good news that there is a God who will make his enemies footstool. There is a God. There is a kingdom. The Bible calls it an unshakable kingdom, an unmovable kingdom. Since we are receiving an unshakable kingdom, the kingdom of kingdoms, not hewn by man's hand. It will crush and grind to powder all other kingdoms. This is the kingdom, the kingdom. And Jesus said it is at hand. Has it come? It has come. The kingdom has come.
every time you cast out a devil. He said, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, then the kingdom is come. You need to cast out devils to show the arrival of the kingdom. The kingdom. These signs shall follow them which believe in my name they shall cast out devils. In my name they shall cast out devils. This is the message that will make you as a lion. This is the message that will make you bold. This is the message that will give you a boldness beyond your comparison. This, this, is, what, this is what destroys cowardice, timidity. The gospel of the kingdom. Satan doesn't want you to know it. He wants to keep you bound. Oppressed. Every time you feel oppressed, there's always a way out. There's never been a time where you were oppressed or tempted where there wasn't a way out. You just didn't know it. You just didn't see it. But when you begin to understand the gospel of the kingdom, understand its influence, its power, the extent of its reign, you realize that is all I need. That is all I need. He was cast down, but the kingdom has come. He was cast down, but the power has come. He was cast down, hallelujah, but strength has come. He was cast down, but salvation has come and they overcame him. They overcame him by the blood. I, 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 I'll share with you the implications of why the scripture says by the blood on Wednesday. By the blood, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Now unto him who washed us by his own blood from our sins and made us kings. It's, bec it's because of what the blood made us. What the, the blood made us incorruptible. The blood, it made us incorruptible. Being born again. Oh, we'll touch that. Hallelujah. I, I, I wanted to close this, this first phase of our series in dealing with the devil, in dealing with, because I wanted to give you the, the perspective that you should have when you approach the gospel of the kingdom. Because many of us approach it from the sin of man, right? From Adam. And, and that's not where it begins. That's not where the story begins. The story begins in, in, in the cosmic aeons. It begins there. What we see with Adam is just the outflow of that cosmic entanglement and engagement 
and conflict. And you need to really understand it. Like you understand, like you need to understand it. Like you need to, you need to, you need to have a relationship with this knowledge. Because every deception stems from the ignorance about this. Every deception stems from the ignorance about this. So I tried to give you the character, the plan, the purposes, the actions of Satan in the most undiluted way as I could, as it is revealed in the scriptures. Because now I want to move on to the next phase of our series. Praise God. To, to give you a firm footing, a firm foundation. Because we are living in the last days. We, we are. We, we are. We, Jesus said these are the beginning of sorrows. That's where we are in this phase. The beginning of sorrows. You must understand the beginning of sorrows is that phase that comes right before the great tribulation. So we have the beginning of sorrows. Then we have the great tribulation. Then we have the end. And the spacing between those time frames, like I told you, they are not days uh, factored, they are events factored. So it is events that factor or determine where we're at. And we know we're we in days of sorrow. Because there's been, there's never been a time where the earth have experienced earthquakes, famines, pestilences, wars at the same time, at the same time as our time. You, you look around the whole world today, you look around the entire world and you can see that the earth is groaning. And we see false prophets, false teachers arise. And Jesus said, these are the beginning of sorrows. These are the beginning of sorrows. And the next time we will enter into a new phase of the great tribulation, is when we see the desolation of abomination sit in the temple. The desolation of abomination is the Antichrist. That's when the great tribulation will happen. And the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us how exactly it will happen. When they shall say, peace, peace, then suddenly destruction shall fall upon them. Who? Peace, peace. What is he talking about? Israel. Because Israel is God's calendar for humanity. We know what time it is by observing the star of God. He, Israel is the star of God. And we know what's, what, where we are in God's phases, in God's calendar, in God's timeline by observing the events that are surrounding Israel. And we can see that we are about to enter the age of warfare. The age of war. And we have prepared you for years prophetically about the days ahead. And these days are upon us. I told you. In 2019, I told you. About World War Three. I told you. I told you that it doesn't look like it now, but you'll see. 2020, I told you. 2021, I told you. Five years before I told you. Five years. And I'm telling you now, the earth as an age, the world as an age, does not have much time left. 
And we want to see an acceleration of events that are going to take place. Because God said to me, and, and, and I shared this with you, the Lord said to me, from this time onward, peace shall be removed from the earth. You can go through all those prophetic words we've given you. Peace shall be removed from the earth. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you think the, 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 the landscape would be if peace is removed? And you are seeing the preparation. Things are being set in order for a global warfare. And you can see it. It's taking place. The pieces are coming together. And every nation will be involved. Because God has always brought judgment upon nations on the basis of how they treated his people. The destruction, read through the Bible, the destruction of every kingdom known to man fell because of Israel. Read, read your Bible. Egypt. Egypt. Persia. Babylon, Israel, Babylon fell because of Israel. The Roman Empire. Every nation. Look at Germany, how Germany fell, Israel. Every kingdom that known to man has always brought judgment upon itself by how it treated God's people. And it's still the same till today. And this is how God will ready the nations to war because of Israel. Study your Bibles. That's what God said. He says, when, when they'll turn against me, I'll bring them over to a, a nation stronger than them. And after a while, when they cry to me, I will judge that nation. And that's what God has been doing. And that's what God is doing now. He's railing the nations against his people. Why? So that judgment can be fulfilled. The sins of the nations can be filled up upon the center of his wrath. Israel will not know peace until Jesus returns. But the nations will not know peace until, unless they deal wisely with Israel. Switch on your television and you will see. Five years into the future. I told you, God has taken me into the future of the end times. I've seen the future. The years are not long. The years are not long. This is probably the final decade before the ushering in of tribulation years. And we, more than any other time, must find our footing in God. Must find our footing in the kingdom. One of eight was saved. Hmm. My thinking 
is that the, the wise and the foolish virgins are symbolic. They are symbolic. That there are those who will be wise. There are those who will walk in foolishness. The wise ones do not seek the opinions of crowds. They don't beat to the drum beat of society. They have one objective and their objective is to meet the bridegroom and they will take as much oil as they need. They will take as much oil as they need. They will prepare for any uh, eventualities. It says, while the bridegroom delayed, they all slept. He delayed. He delayed. Oh, we'll talk about that some other time. But understand that it is more important today than any other time in history, especially because of where we are, that you have a firm understanding of the knowledge of God. And, and that that knowledge becomes the way by which you navigate through the world becomes the resource, the tool by which you navigate through the world. And you must understand, if you're going to walk with the knowledge of God, you must be willing to stand alone. You must be willing to stand alone. If, if, if you're going to be a witness and bear record and bear testimony of the word of God, you must be willing to stand alone. You must be willing to say like I, I'm saying to you now that the earth is not a globe and use God's word. Not sign. I don't care about sign. Use God's word to prove it against a plerotha of civilization that has believed some lie for years and be laughed at and be jeered at and be thought you're stupid. And that's fine. Because I'd rather be on the side of God alone than be against God in the company of multitudes. Wide and easy is the way that leads unto destruction and many they be that walk therein. Many. The things which are appraised among men are an abomination to God. They are an abomination to God. Hallelujah. The word. The word. May be the treasure of your life. The word. The word. And the Lord is able to give you all understanding. Yes, you are in the world. You live in the world, but you are not of this world. 
It means you are not guided by the same principles that this world is guided by. Do not be conformed to the world. Do not be guided by the same principles, same values. Be guided by the values of the kingdom. She said, my kingdom is not of this world. And, and we are to be guided by the same values and principles that Christ was guided by. Jesus was guided by. That's why I tell you, I, you, you, you need to listen to me and you need to listen to me very, very carefully. I, Enoch, I am of the view and belief that Jesus only is enough. Jesus Christ of Nazareth only is more than enough for you. And that to follow him and him alone is the only life worthwhile. There is no nobody, no preacher, no nobody, no no that matter, that matter they are fame, that matter the influence that can convince me otherwise. This is my conviction, and no any there should never be any doctrine that undermines and undervalues the work, the purpose, and the will of Christ. But that all doctrine should promote his glory, his honor, his will and plan in the nations. I have no business listening to any preaching or any teaching that does not carry those characteristics. I, 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 I will not. Jesus must be glorified. He's derailed too. He's, de he's derailed a lot. Underappreciated a lot. And I will not fall part of that snare and, and, and that group. Jesus. Jesus alone. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong unto him. But at least I try to glorify him with my life, with my ministry, with my walk. I may slip, I may fall, but he's able to keep me from falling and present me unto his presence in glory with all joy. And that's why I'm teaching you the word of God. Not so that you can depend on me, but that your faith your trust should be solely, entirely on him. All I'm doing is that I'm giving you a pathway. I'm, I'm just laying a pathway for you to show you there's the way. You must walk it. You must trek it. And daily means because a time is coming. Well, you need to make the decision. Keep your job or deny Jesus. Save your life or deny Jesus. A time is coming. 
this can where you'll be forced to make a choice. In the clearest of ways, you must make the choice. And as long as fear and timidity and doubt and confusion exist, it will be difficult to make the right choice. Wake me up any day, any time. I'll die for him. I've suffered for him. Suffered the shame of ministry. Suffered. It's for Jesus. Who do you think I'm doing it for? Look how we're meeting. Look how others are meeting. I'm suffering for Jesus. And I'm fine. I'm fine. Suffer humility. Suffer shame. Suffer humiliation. Suffer scorn. Suffer derision. It's fine. It's for Jesus. It's for him. Because my Bible tells me if I suffer with him, I will reign with him. I will reign with him if I suffer with him. Have you suffered for Jesus? Have you suffered for his name? Have you suffered persecutions for his name? Have you been mocked and jeered and marginalized, misused, abused, persecuted for his name? Or is your Christianity a comfortable one? It is as woe unto you if all men speak well of you. Who is Jesus to you? What does he mean to you? I hope, I hope we all have him mean one thing to us. Christ is all and Christ is in all. Lift up your hands and talk to him. Oh, Father, I have tried by the help of your spirit to teach truth, to open up the scriptures to your people and help them understand the plan and purposes of God for humanity, the will of God in the cosmic domain. I have tried. Continue to strengthen us. And continue to strengthen these truths within your people until they find deep roots. Until it is the truth they live by, truth they walk by. And truth, if need be, will die by. Holy Spirit, Jesus said if we keep his commandments, the Father will love us and he will come and make our bold in us. Bring us into that dimension of truth and reality where our consciousness of the Father is so great, our consciousness of the Son, our consciousness of the Spirit is so great that it transforms us, guides us, and it is our compass in this wicked, dark, and evil world. 
For there is yet hope to those who are willing to walk the walk of the Lord. May you have mercy, may you have pity upon us and look upon us and strengthen us and cause us to walk right, cause us to walk straight. Keep us from falling. Keep us from stumbling. Keep us. My God, keep us. We give you thanks for what you are teaching us as a ministry, what you are teaching us as a people and opening up your word to us in this manner. It is not of the flesh, but of the spirit, lest any man should boast. It is your grace and we acknowledge it. We thank you. I thank you for the understanding of the scriptures that you have provided. I thank you, Lord, for love for the scriptures that you have given, a zeal, a passion for the word of the Lord. I give you thanks, dear Lord. And I ask in the name of Jesus that it be your will that you spread this message. You spread it to every corner of the earth. You spread it. Yes, oh God, to every nation on earth. And those whom we have chosen to hear, I pray in the name of Jesus, you draw them. You draw them as Bikatisun de Gregita. For you said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We lift you up, Jesus. We lift you up. And that's been our endeavor to lift you up. To lift you up. And cause this word to spread and the knowledge of God to enter people's lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Hallelujah.